Welcome to the Sunday Seconds Podcast with me, Sam. And me, Emma. So we did Proverbs, end of chapter six, chapter seven. Um, but we've got some stuff to do before we even get into the sermon from yesterday, Em. What is that? Well, I believe we have our first entry for Slugman competition. That's right, we do. So I put it out there, and I knew this was a long shot, but having made my very own Slugman theme tune, which you can check out last week about the five-minute mark on the previous podcast. Maybe there'd be someone or a few people in the church family who'd also be willing to create something to do with Slugman. Anyway, Geraint Phelps has come through with the goods. Of course. Um, so I'm going to play it to M. I'll dub it over in the edit, as always. And if you're, if you're uh, listening, you'll just hear Geraint. If you're watching on the unlisted YouTube link, you'll get to see him uh, as he method acts. Slugman himself. <laughs> so, uh, ready? Slugman. <laughs> just falling asleep at the end there. That's genius. Yeah. Because, firstly... <laughs> If you, if you didn't see that, if you're not watching on YouTube, then Geraint is sprawled, laid out on his front. And uh, he, you think he's about to start a, a big, long thing. But actually, after saying Slugman in a croaky voice, he then just falls to sleep and starts snoring. Accurate. Geraint, 10 out of 10. That is fantastic. <laughs> um, I think we should say the lines are still open. Yeah, how long for? Well, I think we've only got after this two more sermons and podcasts on Proverbs one to nine. Mm. So you've got until then. You know, you've got two more weeks. Okay. Uh, but also, we'll accept drawings. You know, anything Slugman related um, get involved. Slugman. So speaking of Slugman, you said yesterday that there is a link between Slugman and well part of the sermon you did yesterday and mm. the one two weeks ago yeah uh, like adultery so you mentioned one but you said there were two others yeah that i can think of so it's just interesting that we had a passage in chapter five of proverbs on adultery and then we've also got one at the end of six and seven on adultery and then sandwiched in between is this whole thing about being lazy and you think are they unrelated? It would seem not if there's adultery either side mm. of, and in the middle is slugman, laziness, attitude, stuff like that. But no, definitely that there is a link um, if you think about it. So yeah, the one I said before the second reading yesterday was we're reading Jeremiah RBT. Mm. And it's clear the mark of the church pre-exile is that they are complacent. They take for granted that Jesus is with them. That if we pray to him, he'll come, he'll fix everything. No one's actually going to ever be able to defeat the church, God's people. He wouldn't do that. Um, he wouldn't allow that to happen, you know. Mm. So, in the meantime, 
will forsake him and we will go after other idols like the nations around us. And God labels their um, their sinful condition adultery. They calls them an adulterous nation. So I was just saying clearly there's a link between laziness, complacency, and adultery. God, uh, Jesus is obviously, he is the church's husband, the bridegroom. And when they forsake him and go after other gods or idols, he sees that as adultery. But the, the two others that, as I was thinking about the link, seem quite obvious. One is, Paul Blacken points this out in his book by book. I haven't seen another commentator mention this, but uh, it was when David was lazing around in his palace when he should have been off at war mm. that he sees Bathsheba and indulges in that sexual sin mm. with her. Um, of course, Solomon, writing this in Proverbs, he he remembers all that, right? Um, that this is his dad, He'll have known about that whole story. Mm. Um, yeah, so it's, um, yeah, it's quite, and, and Solomon's mum is Bathsheba. Mm. He's not the love child from that incident, uh, but uh, uh, further down the line. But anyway, uh, yeah, so that's interesting. And the other one was, I was thinking of, you remember in Song of Songs, chapter five, where Jesus knocks at the door and mm-hmm. she's lying in bed and she's like, oh, I've just got, I've just got dressed into my night gear. Do I have to like soil my feet again by getting out and going down to the door? Mm. She couldn't be bothered. Um, and then Jesus, when she gets to the door, the bridegroom, the lover has gone, mm. you know. Um, but I was just thinking, yeah, that that laziness. I think, I think there's a link there anyway, although, yeah, I don't know. She then has to remind herself later on in the chapter, like, well, what is it about Jesus that, makes him stand out among any other man. Mm. Um, so I, there is definitely a link in scripture between sort of laziness and adultery anyway. Yeah. Cool. So speaking about yesterday, remind us what happened. Yeah, so briefly, uh, yesterday's sermon was, son, we're having the talk again. Um, but maybe it could have been, dad, you know that talk we had? That could have been the title, because perhaps now that this conversation's on the table between the father and the son, and it was the father's initiative to bring that up in chapter five, it, it I said it does feel like the father's now answering a question that the son has posed to him mm. uh, across two chats. But the main point of yesterday's sermon was it's just how to keep away from adultery, how to keep away from uh, any sexual sin from being entrapped by it. Um, So the father points out the issue is the heart. It's within. And the cure, therefore, is with regards to our hearts. Um, So, you know, in verse 21 and 25 uh, of chapter 6, it is, bind these words in your heart and do not lust after her beauty in your heart. And the result is, in chapter 6, verse 24, this will keep you from the immoral woman. Likewise, in chapter seven, in the second chat, um, he says, write these words on the tablet of your heart in verse three. And then he says at the end of the chapter, do not let your heart turn to her ways. Mm. So again, the heart. And the result is verse five, they will keep you from the adulteress. So both times it is, 
It's got to do with your heart. If you can get your heart in the right place, you'll be kept from the adulterous uh, woman. You'll be kept from mm. sexual sin. So that's sort of what the sermon was yesterday, really. Um, but you had a really valid question that you asked me this morning. Um, uh, do you want to say what that was? Yeah, I mean, you've already hit on it slightly when you were doing the slugman thing. Yeah. Um, but reading Jeremiah, like you said, he calls them an adulterous nation. But that's not just exclusively about sexual sin, right? So does it cover any sin? Yeah, it's a really good question. Because when you read in the prophets, uh, like we're reading Jeremiah at the moment, but you know many others, uh, you notice God calls their forsaking of him, their sin, he calls it adultery. So it makes you think, well, yeah, so is adultery then, is it too narrow to just speak about sexual sin? Is it, is it a much broader thing than that? I mean, it is a really good point. Uh, I think um, I'd say, yeah, of course, Proverbs 5 and then the end of 6 and 7, these two sermons we've done on sexual sin, can be applied to all the temptations of the flesh. They definitely could. So not just sexual temptation, but what Paul says in Ephesians 4 about uh, they've given themselves over to sensuality mm. so as to indulge in every kind of impurity. That's the mark of a non-Christian. And he says a Christian can fall back into that. Um, so not just sexuality, but sensuality. That is living by your feelings, for your feelings, just doing whatever feels good. If like eating a whole pack of donuts every day feels good, you'll go for it with a continual <laughs> lust for more. And it's interesting he uses that word lust as well. Um, however, I think if I just slightly defend, like, obviously I've gone quite like down just sexual sin route. Mm -hmm. Um, if you let Jesus define what you shall not co commit adultery means, mm -hmm. he says in chapter five of Matthew, verse 27, 28, in the Sermon on the Mount, you've heard that it was said, do not commit adultery, but I tell you, and then he explains what that command has always meant and will always mean anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart mm. which is exactly the point that proverbs is making um don't lust after her in your heart is what it says in chapter seven so mm. it is the exact same point and jesus is saying it is about a sexual thing that commandment mm. and i think um Finally, a couple of weeks ago, I just became convinced of this when preparing for Proverbs 5, because Matthew Henry said something I thought was so helpful. Some apply this chapter figuratively, and by the adulterous woman, here understand idolatry or false doctrine, which tends to debauch men's minds and manners, or the sensual appetite to which it may as fitly as anything be applied. So he's saying... Yeah, of course, you could apply all this adulterous woman and sexual immorality stuff um, to just all sensuality, all temptations of the flesh. Then he says, but the primary scope of it is plainly to warn us against the seventh commandment sins, which is do not commit adultery, mm. which youth is so prone to the temptations to which are so violent, the examples of which are so many and which were admitted are so destructive. Yeah. And I thought that was just a really helpful way of saying, 
yeah, of course you can read this and the strange woman, the immoral woman, the adulterous woman can represent whatever it is, like any sort of sin where you just go after it and want more and more because it feels good in your body. But specifically, the passage is clearly talking about sexual stuff, mm. you know. So I just wanted to be honest to, to that, really. Um, yeah, so in a way, it's, it's not unhelpful if you are struggling with other sins to use the advice here. But it is trying to warn you off one main yeah. sin. Exactly. Obviously, some people, the children, right, it, this won't be a thing so much for them now. But they'll mm. be able to understand that this woman can just represent you know, their desire to just play games all day <laughs> or something because mm. it feels good or whatever it is, you know, it, it can be that broad. Um, also, there might be adults for whom sexual sin really isn't a big enemy in their life. Mm. Um, this passage is not irrelevant to them. It can just apply to all sensual sins. But um, it's written in such a specific way because it is about a specific thing more more so mm. i'd say yeah yeah do you think that's fair enough yeah no i think that's a good way of explaining it In yesterday's sermon, you mentioned that there was something in chapter seven that you haven't hadn't really got time to go into. I think you actually said, "I need to, I need to finish up." <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, expand on. Well, what was that, and then expand on it for us in the pod. Will do. So, yeah, in chapter seven, the sort of the breakfast chat I called it, the second talk. Uh, the father talks to his son about something he witnessed once out as he looked out of his window mm. uh, this youth who lacked judgment this simple man and he went for a walk one evening in the direction of where he expects to find this woman mm. and lo and behold he does find this um this woman this immoral woman and uh yeah I, it says in the passage that with persuasive words she led him astray and i just wanted to go through well what is it exactly that she said and because these are the things we need to really watch out for these you know these persuasive words that satan will use hmm. um when we're tempted in this regard so the first thing and i did mention this yesterday uh, is i'm godly <laughs> mm. these sins can happen within church context yeah don't think oh it's just that person in work right who could be a temptation it could well be someone in church um she says i have fellowship offerings at home today i fulfilled my vows so i came out to meet you and mm. i mentioned the fellowship offering is that extra offering that isn't even a necessity but an additional extra mm. she's like i've offered that I'm a godly woman. Mm. And there is that thing of, oh, you've been so good, you know, um, you get to indulge in a bit of sin. That's a bit of a treat, mm. you know. Um, yeah, so there's a really helpful quote from uh, Charles Bridges. Um, I'm talking a lot, Em. Have you got it there? Do you want to read it out? I thought this was really good. Yeah. 
She dare not play the harlot with man until she had played the hypocrite with God and stopped the mouth of her conscience with her peace offerings. It seems to embolden her wickedness, as if her meeting him was a happy providence, the reward of her religious services. Yeah, what do you think of that? Yeah, it's brutal, isn't it? But it's true. Yeah, she dare not play the harlot until she's played the hypocrite with God. So there's something in her church going, her church attendance, which emboldens her to sin sexually, which is so twisted, Mm. isn't it? Obviously, um, Jesus wants to set you free from sin. He says to the woman caught in adultery, which is a good parallel passage, um, go and leave your life of sin. So, yeah, you know that passage in John 8 where um, there's a woman caught in adultery and Jesus says, ultimately, let him who's without sin cast the first stone. Yeah. And then he says to her, um, does anyone condemn you? And she says, no. And he says, well, neither do I. Now go, leave your life of sin. That's, you know, that is so important, that passage for how Jesus looks at this. With Christ, he doesn't want to condemn the adulterer. In fact, he can forgive the adulterer. That's why he came, to cleanse you of all your sin. Mm. But he doesn't excuse you to sin. He excuses you from sin. Mm. Knowing Jesus is not an excuse to carry on sinning. It's you're excused. You're mm-hmm. forgiven. Um, and he says that to her. But she use, twists all this church stuff into what it actually emboldens her sin. You know, yeah. it's an excuse to sin. It's just, yeah, it's horrible. I had a conversation with someone once about that very thing. Yeah. Yeah, and they said they knew a Christian and don't we just carry on living the way that we live because Christ will forgive us? Yeah. And I was like, I doubt that person yeah. was a real Christian yeah, because that yeah. is not how we live. Yeah, yeah, so I heard someone once say, the question is, do you want to sin? Mm. Is that what you want, really? Because um, the Christian is like, no, I don't want to sin. Mm. I do not want to. Wretched man that I am, who will save me from this body of death? You know, I, I, the evil I don't want to do, that's what I do. And we hate that. Um, so if there's a Christian who's like, oh, yeah, no, I want to sin. It's like, I don't know if you're a Christian then, because mm. Christians don't want to sin. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's the first thing. She's like, I'm godly. So that excuses me to sin. you got to watch out for that. The second thing was she talks as if, Oh, no, it's God's plan for us to meet in this moment, Mm. right? Uh, Verse 15, she says, um, I looked for you and I found you. And there is this sense that, um, oh, God's put us in this path together. Mm. And I referenced, I think I might have said this yesterday. um, You know, uh, Isaac's wanting to find a wife in Genesis and he's praying by this well. And as he's praying, Rebecca appears um, I don't know that passage well enough because there's I loads think it's more a detail. servant, isn't it? That gets sent. Oh yeah, that's it, right. It's like the next right. person that gives my is it sheep or some water or something. The servant finds this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then before he'd even finished praying, uh, Rebecca walks walk, rocks up. Yeah. Then. Mm. Uh, and does she offer like do do you need water? For yeah, your, yeah. That's the one. So it, it's that sort of like. Oh, yeah, God has brought us together. I've heard a number of times when a Christian starts going up with a non-Christian, they mm. make out like, oh, well, I think it's God's plan for us to be together. Yeah. You know, it's like, no, nah, it's not. His plan is you get with a Christian <laughs> who yeah. loves Jesus. 
what fellowship does light have with darkness and all that. Or his plan is that you, you're single, you know. Mm. But it's not, yeah, you get together with a non-Christian. It's not. It's not that you meet like this in a sort of seedy, covert way. Uh, yeah. So the next one is, um, it'll be a delight for the senses. In verse 16 and 17, she says, I've covered my bed with colored linens from Egypt. Mm. Egypt should ring bells. It's like Egypt. What was that about? Oh, yeah, we were slaves in Egypt. And God <laughs> saved us. Um, but let's go back to Egypt for a bit. Um, and I've perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Myrrh is about, uh, myrrh is given to Jesus because that's got to do with his death. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I don't know. And then because her uh, her house is a highway to the grave, <laughs> it says at the end, um, that should be a bit of like a warning sign as well. It's like, myrrh, hmm, it's got to do with death, isn't it? I don't know about that. But I think the coloured linens and the the cinnamon, and it's like, it'll feel great, it'll smell great, everything's great. Because mm. is it, isn't myrrh supposed to cover the smell of death? Because it's quite a potent perfume. Yes, I think it is. Yeah. So a house probably doesn't really smell good. No. It covers over. Yeah. It's like Lynx, <laughs> you know, in, in a teenage boys changing room. Um, and then she also says uh, this is good well it's not good (laughs) you know uh, verse 18 come let's drink deep of love until morning and it's like this ain't love Mm. this is not love she should say let's drink deep of lust so that's you know Satan always wants to get you to call lust love Mm. it's like no let's identify this correctly I mean, in the moment, you probably think, oh, I'm loving this. Yeah, yeah, and I'm in love. I think I love you. It's like, mm. no, you're in lust. But in the words of Billy Graham, the hangover comes. Exactly. Her house is a highway to the grave. Her slain are a mighty throng. Yeah. It's and the... funny that you said about in the nightclub, like turning all the lights on. Yeah. Because that is probably the epitome of the hangover the next day, waking up with someone. Yeah. And it sounds harsh, but girls who wear a heck of a lot of makeup and in the morning it's all gone. Yeah. <laughs> and you think, <gasps> There's a song I um, like by a band and it says, in bar light she looked all right, in daylight she looked desperate. <laughs> and yeah, and it's like, but these are just non-Christians confessing the reality of all this stuff. Mm. You know, they realize, whoa, you know, oh, that's not good. Yeah. And then finally she says, look, my husband, the good man, that's the King James Version, the good man, will not be back for ages. It's funny because here it says um, until full moon. And I'm like, uh, what, we've got a few hours then, have we? But um, I think it should be, he won't be back until the appointed time. Wasn't Doesn't a full moon occur once a month? Oh, yeah. It's not until the moon's just up in the sky. No, but like a full moon. A full moon. Doesn't the whole... Yeah. S- process take like a month that's true i'm actually i was like oh until the moon's fully in the sky mm. but no you know it'll be until like like a month or whatever yeah, yeah. until a long time yeah of course there we go still i'm still learning about the passage <laughs> even now <laughs> yeah and uh yeah so some translations though help me because it's until the appointed time it's like not for a while yes i know when he's going to be back in it we've got plenty of time yeah sort of thing. yeah but of course the idea of a husband going away on a long journey and it says he's got a big bag filled with money he's gone away and he's not coming back until a certain time there are parables jesus tells like that the master going on a journey mm. leaving his servants in charge of the household 
and but then the servants say hey he's a long time in coming back let's get drunk and you know mm. do stuff like that um and then when he comes back what you know then the, he comes back and jesus says will the son of man find faith when he returns on earth mm. there's a couple of parables like that and that right there my husband's been gone is going to be gone and he's not coming back for a long time our husband is ascended and we're waiting his return Mm. And the, yeah, we, we aren't to be taken up with carousing, with sexual sin, as if he's not returning soon. Yeah, mm. so I think that highlights that a bit. It's almost a bit like the David and Bathsheba thing as well, because her husband has been sent away to war. Yes. And he knows he's not going to be back for a while, so. But then yeah. I don't know how much choice Bathsheba had in that whole incident, you know. Yeah. It's pretty dark. Um Yeah. Yes, it's awful, isn't it? So, yeah, I think um, that's the thing I never really got round to covering there, Em. Play the church organ like the old days Back when church organs were all the rage Oh, church organ Ba-ba, ba-ba So yeah, that was that's it. That's all I've really got to talk about. Em. Mm. Any any other thoughts from you? I mean, you mentioned sort of at the end. Well, how is it that we receive forgiveness for all of mm. this if people are feeling feeling guilt and shame about it? Obviously, this, there's a lot of warnings here about how not to go down that road. Yeah. But, but okay, you've been down that road. What now? Yeah, great. Yeah, clearly the emphasis in the passage is, right, we're talking here either about prevention, how to be kept from the adulterous woman, from sexual sin, or we're talking, if you are entrapped, how to get out. Mm. The answer is the same, whether it's the prevention or the antidote, is um, we've got to think about your heart here. There's something wrong in your heart, and we need a heart operation. And you need to love the Lord Jesus and his words, bind them to your heart. And I did say, didn't I? Uh, next week is, I think, really getting into that. Let's just look at Jesus for a whole chapter, the man who is wisdom. Mm. However, um, I think in this passage, you've got to remember where it says, like, for the adulterer in verse 33 of chapter 6, blows and disgrace are his lot, and his shame will never be wiped away. Remember, Jesus, who never committed any sin, received those blows, those punches and disgrace. He was disgraced on the cross. Um, And he did that not because he deserved it, but he did it because we deserved it. Mm. He did it that actually, if you are caught up in this stuff, you can be forgiven. He can wipe your your he can wipe your shame away. It Mm. says here that uh, his his shame will never be wiped away. But Jesus uh, can wipe your shame away. Uh, he really, he really is able. So, you know, he was treated like the adulterer, like yeah. the worst of sinners. You know, he was punched and he was nailed to a cross and cursed as any man who dies like that. Um, so that all these curses, all all the things that we deserve, if you're caught up in this stuff, if you are in the mighty throng of victims taken down by sexual sin, this woman um, who's personified, you know, as sexual sin then he can he can save the victims he can redeem you mm. um yeah he he gives his life as a ransom to to you know win you back 
if you've been taken in by this and win you for himself, bring you to the Father. So it's just remembering all that. You know, we don't want to remove Jesus from this. He is the hope in all of this for the adulterer. Yeah. Any thoughts on that? No, I think that's great. Yeah. It's encouraging, isn't it? It is encouraging, yeah. So don't despair. And just a reminder, this is not to be a taboo topic, but to be discussed uh, in our church life. Um, So, yeah, that's great. So I think we can wrap it up. Yeah, I just wanted to say we didn't have any questions this week, but, you know, it's never too late to send in a question. So just keep sending them in. Yeah, even if it's on a few weeks ago you discussed this. Yeah. Yeah, we we can talk about that. That's all good. Yeah. Okay, thanks for listening, everyone. We'll catch you very soon. Bye-bye.